Meraki, to do something with soul, creativity, or love. Welcome to Meraki Mentors, a podcast featuring women who create. We interview creatives from every field and around the globe to discuss art, risk-taking, and what it means to live a creative life. Here's your host, Candace Howes. I stumbled upon Rachel Eliza Griffith's work a few years ago while researching multidisciplinary artists. I was looking for someone who works in media I'm most familiar with, literature, photography, and film. I was instantly taken by the careful emotionality of her work and fell in love all over again after reading her stirring account of the 2017 Women's March, which is an essay and photo collection titled, What Has Changed? printed in the Georgia Review last fall. Rachel Eliza is especially interesting because she is both formally educated and self-taught in her respective media. And despite her many accolades, she is just as personable as your best friend from next door. Believe me, I was silently fangirling throughout this entire interview. And once you hear this episode, I think you will too. Okay, welcome back everyone to Meraki Mentors Podcast. This is your host, um, Candace Howes, and I am overjoyed and so excited to introduce our guest today. Um, we have the lovely and talented Rachel Eliza Griffiths, who is um, a renowned poet and visual artist. Um, she's the author of five different poetry collections, and she currently teaches at Sarah Lawrence College in New York. So first and foremost, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Candace. Yes, I was so, um, and I always tell everyone whenever I invite a guest to the show, I always get a little nervous and I'm like, oh, they're probably like not going to say yes. So I can't tell you how um, excited <laughs> I was that you would be joining us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited about what you're doing. So. Uh... Um, just to chat and get to talk to you seemed like a good idea. So I'm glad to speak with you and to kind of connect with everybody who's listening. Absolutely. Um, and I will definitely say, I know I've obviously like kind of followed your work and read your poetry, um, for the past few years. I actually graduated, um, from college in 2015, mm. um, but I really became, um, I think, probably more aware um, after I read your incredible essay in the Georgia Review last year, mm -hmm. um, which for anyone out there, if you haven't read the Georgia Review, um, I definitely recommend subscribing or picking it up at your local library if possible. It's one of my favorite um, literary journals. And Rachel Eliza did a fantastic photo essay, um, as well as a written essay called What Has Changed About the Women's March from Last Year. Um, so I know it's on the website, so definitely check that out. But yeah, I really got excited with just your work and the versatility of it at that point. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely, I know. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very great to be able to see artists. Um, so many times, like, we are multi talented in different ways, but to be that adept and that capable of creating emotional ties from one medium to the other. So I guess you can just start off by introducing kind of what different work you do and um, how you got started moving from that flow of writing as a poet to being a visual artist as well. Mm, okay, great. And thank you for asking me about it. Um, I, I am one of those people from a very young age. I just always um, was kind of creative. Um, you know, from like painting on the wall when I wasn't supposed to, but to also just wanting to share stories. And I loved being read to and loved books and kind of was like, you know, black girl nerd. Um, but as a child, nothing was more thrilling to me than kind of like making things. And so, um, I don't really remember a time in my life where, um, creativity and imagination wasn't part of how I approached the world. Um, having a sense mm -hmm. of, of wonder um, for the natural world, but also just people and stories and where people come from or, you know, why this thing is called this name or what this means and, and then feelings too, like how to express and communicate my feelings has always been so important to me and like processing the world and my experiences. So 
um, when I was younger, I think I was probably more visual, but I was always also trying to write. Um, and like, sh I'd show, you know, someone like some scribble scrabble and then tell them exactly, you know, the story for it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then later as I, you know, got older, um, I continued to work visually. Um, and then, uh, once I was, once I began reading, which was re really early in my life, uh, I just fell in love with reading. Um, and I'm still madly, madly in love with reading. Um, I will just read anything and I'm open to all types of books, um, no matter what they may be. Uh, I think, you know, recently, and I'm saying like in the last 10 years, that's recently to me, um, I, you know, began to, when I moved to New York, I started to photograph. I'm self-taught as a photographer. Um, I also mm -hmm. paint and draw um, and do installation stuff. But I always was writing. And so um, recently, there seems to be more interest in a kind of bridges between these different mediums of kind of, you know, the photo essay or the lyric essay. And um, this is just wonderful for me because it allows me to kind of make all these bridges connect. Sometimes they connect and sometimes they don't. Um, but I I mean, I, I have to say um, I've always kind of just you know, had visuals, even my writing is very, uh, there's a lot of imagery in it, a lot of images. And oftentimes if I see something, um, that's kind of how I get into a poem or a story as kind of visualizing it. Um, and so kind of exploring that allows me to get into starting to like think about a character or, um, the lines of a poem, my poems are very lyrical. So sound and music is also important as well and rhythm, but even painting, I think, and photographs have a rhythm and movement in them, whether it's a very quiet one or one that really moves you. Um, there's something about that. So for me, really, I've kind of always worked with text and images, um, from the get go. It can get really messy. <laughs> yes. So I, I like mess though. Mess is good. Good mess. This is this is not hot mess. This is good mess. There's exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, need, you need a little mess for there to to be good art. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I um one of the things that really stood out to me with what you were just describing is how you know poetry. And that visual side of your brain coexists. And like mm -hmm. on one hand, like we're all used to poetry and of obviously that there's images and that you see things, but it's really great to think of being a poet as someone who is also visual because we always mm -hmm. assume that poets only see things in words and like how they think it should sound or be described. But it's great that you are a visual person, but you're also able to express that in your vocabulary as well. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certain... Um feelings that we have that happen, you know, through sight that can't be put into words and vice versa. Like there's certain things we read that we almost can't see them um, except through language and then like understand and comprehend them. And um, sometimes I like to just, um, I don't know, see myself as kind of actually a seer, which, you know, has a spirituality to it. When you're a seer, um, you, that happens across dimension, across genre, across mediums, um, and it's a way to um, be aware at all times that there are greater things and unseen things in the world than you, right? And you're trying to connect mm -hmm. and, and be a conduit for a lot of different things. And I often feel that way as being a conduit as far as, vi as vision, seeing um, whether it's an image with my eyes, but also whether it's something kind of that there has to be more work to like unearth it and expose it and pull it up. And that's through language. So, um, more and more as in my old age, I don't really separate them as much as I used to because, because before I was kind of OCD, like this is a picture, this is a poem, mm -hmm. but even poems have a visual quality 
why do some poems have a lot of empty space in them? Why do some poems look kind of like towers or bricks or prose poems or poems that actually have the shape of maybe the mood or feeling in the poem? And so um, there's a, there seems to be a relationship between all of those things. When, when you're creating, whether it's visually or more lyrically, does it ever, does it come kind of naturally to you that, you know, something should be photographed rather than written or something should be um, written in a certain way that is visual? Does it come to you kind of naturally where you're not thinking about it? Or are these more kind of intentional efforts that you're making as you're creating the work? I think it's a combination of both. Some things are organic for me and I just know and I, I really work by instinct and intuition. Um, but that also means experimenting and that also means failing. Like I might think, oh, what will happen if I do this? And something might tell me, no, it just, this is how it is. Um, I don't have the same process for every project. It really is... Um, it, the feeling or what I'm looking at or studying or exploring will sometimes um, kind of dictate what the shape or process may be. And sometimes just curiosity, like what would happen um, if I tried to photograph, you know, this word or do some kind of associative visual work with a poem or a video or something like it all, it's never just like I do the same thing every time. One, I'm not the same person with each project. I'm like hopefully evolved or I've absorbed new experiences. I've read new books. I've heard new songs and music. And so all of that stuff that I absorb around me is then going into kind of each incarnation of the work. And so I like to really think of each thing as kind of having its own body. So it has its own unique systems of how it works together. And sometimes it doesn't work. And I just keep pushing it until I'm like, this is um like this isn't working. You need to just stop. Sometimes it's a matter of like this really needs to sit on the stove, go do something else. And then other times it's like you just haven't gone far, far enough in the in thinking about this or seeing it. And then what can help me? Um so it's it's really um, you know, working on a collection of poems. The process is a bit different from working on, say, prose or working on um, a photo essay, but I feel like the well, like in the well, it, that water is the same water that I'm pouring into different. So is it like ice this time? Is it ocean? Is it river? Is this a little creek? Like, what is this feel like? And I really go mm -hmm. from a place of feeling. And um, sometimes I'll mess up, but even... And that's good. Like that mess may become the seed for me to go do something else or even just the process of not getting it where I want to be gives me space to think about what else it was trying to be um, or or that kind of thing. So, I, I mean, I love all parts of it. I mean, it, it, it depends when I'm under a deadline. It's not cute. <laughs> but when I have time, no. <laughs> when I'm on my own time, it's like you know, just play, play with this and not take mm -hmm. it so seriously. Like the first try is going to be the end all be all. Cause the first time it probably isn't probably really isn't going to be, um, be right. Unless you're someone wonderful and brilliant, like Roxanne Gay, who just <laughs> writes amazing things. And just right away, you're just like, Oh, thank you. You know, you get your fix. Exactly. So, yeah. What would you say is, is there anything that kind of helps you when you're in that process where you're stuck or where you mm -hmm. feel like you have something that has great potential, but now you've got to go back and revise it, which for me is always like the worst part of the process. I'm always like, I don't want to revise, but I know it needs it. Mm. Like what gets you through that process? Oh, Lord. Mm, Candace, I don't, I'm like, <laughs> how much time you have today, girl? Because that, I mean, what what gets us through a day even, you know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, what gets us through, I mean, what gets us through our joy, what gets us through our suffering, what gets us through, you know, all the things in between. I mean, when I get stuck, um, I try to kind of feed myself um, from other sources. Um, mm. 
so I love music. Music is a way for me to really turn music on and it helps me kind of like go backwards, kind of put my car in reverse and back up and then see, mm -hmm. oh, you missed a turn. It was back there. Or, you know, you need to just sit here until the rain passes on the side of the road and then see, you know, how much further you can go. Sometimes, um, you know, I mean, one of the first and foremost ways I can kind of unstick myself is through reading. So I may go back to to books um, that seem to just remind me of why I continue to do this crazy stuff. <laughs> and yes. um, I, I also may will pick up something that I've been meaning to read and then I kind of distract myself. So then I come back to the work and just have a little more space. Um, I also love to eat. I'll go eat. I'll go do, you know, like sometimes yes. for me, it's as simple as like taking a good long nap or walk or spending some time with a friends and stuff and then just, or films. Um, I don't mm -hmm. have the time these days to like Netflix binge. So I have to like live through my other friends who get to Netflix binge. Um, but sometimes I'll walk, watch a film or something that might um, be similar to something I'm working on and be like, well, how did that, how did that artist, how did that writer um, negotiate the terms of, of that? Um, but there's so many things. I mean, I will hit up a museum or a gallery, um, whether it's a, a gallery or a museum that I return to to see like one particular painting and I'll stand there for a minute and have kind of church or, mm -hmm. you know, I'll pick up, you know, biography or something of someone's story and just kind of, you know, lose myself in that and say, okay, you know, you can do this. Sometimes it's travel. Um, I've just come back from uh, traveling in Savannah these past few days along the Geechee Gullah corridor and I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh my lord, like it's so amazing. And so that kind of gate charged me in so many ways, historically, spiritually, yeah. culturally, everything. Um, I'm good on shrimp though. Shrimp, I'm good. <laughs> I eat so much yes. shrimp and seafood. <laughs> I was so I happy. Because sure. I'm originally from DC. So when they're like, oh, you want crab legs? I was like, do I? I always want a crab <laughs> leg. Like so, yes. So, so that was really beautiful. But, you know, the people there, when you meet them, they say, I love you. That's just what they say. They say it to each other. And, like, they welcome me as family, not as a stranger, you know. And so mm -hmm. I'm sitting here in just, like, a space of love um, thinking of West Africans who were brought here as slaves and who persisted um, with mm -hmm. their culture and their language and their music and color. and. I'm just like, okay, what I, whatever project I was stuck on, I'm ready to go now. And I'm I'm working from a space of gratitude with that. I will be doing some hot yoga though, because shrimp life is real. Yes. <laughs> I can't say no. I can't say Absolutely. no to the combo. Candace. I can't. I I know. I the thing is, so I love um like my mom makes this tremendously just fantastic salmon mm. and i am not a seafood person mm. like my mom is from dc oh. as well, so she knows the whole thing about the crab legs yeah. and everything but i've gotta i've gotta get me something that's like a little meaty like some salmon or some grouper and and then mm. i'm good <laughs> and then you're good and it's all about the goodness that's what it's about so at the end of the day you're like okay i feel good exactly we just bonded. We, we just did. bonded. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you mentioned something that is, um, I absolutely felt it on a whole nother level. And you're talking about like traveling and I've gone to South Carolina many times and I've had the, I don't even know the word in a, in a way it feels like a privilege, but it's also a little haunting, but being able to visit several different plantations and mm. I've just gotten the biggest obsession almost like I know it's a thing I want to do of like almost taking a road trip and going to as many as I can because there's something mm. about being there that obviously like it's haunting it sparks your interest you start seeing things and thinking about you know how life was mm -hmm. for all of these people mm -hmm. but it always gives me the sense that 
you know, I have some type of responsibility to go out there and to create the things that are on my heart because I have some type of freedom to do so. Maybe not all the freedoms mm -hmm. that, you know, we still dream mm -hmm. about, but more, more agency than obviously our ancestors did. So it is interesting just talking mm -hmm. about how going to certain places alone can really fuel that creative space. Mm. Oh, I completely love what you just said. And I think for me in particular, um, you know, this word freedom, right? Um, mm -hmm. This word free. And, you know, it's a, it's a state of being. It's also a verb. Like it's an action to free oneself, to free someone else. Yes. Um, to free one's mind, one's body, um, but also to claim it. Um, freedom to be free as a state of grace mm -hmm. seems really important. And um, I am, um, I'm always aware that I'm sitting on the shoulders um, of many, many people. Um, and that, you know, I think it's Baldwin who talks about, you know, the crown, you know, like the, 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 the mm -hmm. price of the ticket, like it's been paid for. Um, and at the same time, there's a there's freedom to go forward um in all kinds of ways and that in in some way you know free also allows you to have a vocabulary that um you know tries to articulate how that feels for 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 each of us mm -hmm. right like my freak it may not be someone else's free and that's and that's what freedom like that's fine mm -hmm. um i mean if we're talking about civil rights or something, then freedom, again, has has a meaning. Um, and it's not different in some ways than I think the free that you and I are talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, I'm always thinking of, you know, how do, how do I get more free, right? When I think yes. I'm like, oh, I'm free, I always get find these challenges, mm -hmm. whether it's someone else's microaggressions or someone's just blatant, egregious kind of um, – disrespect or something, I realize that I'm I'm captive and reactive in ways that I thought I had kind of like outgrown or controlled. Yes. And um, June Jordan has this wonderful quote, um, sometimes I am the terrorist, I must disarm. And um, mm. I just love that. Like, I, I love thinking about um, checking in with myself and checking Absolutely. myself when I need to, and also feeling free to check other people too. Yes. Um, seems part of all of the kind of work, um, whether that work is happening in a poem or an image that I'm making, you know, um, being present. So there's, there's some of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Oh man, there's so many things I want to say. Okay, where do we begin? <laughs> what? We're going there. We're going yes, there. Candace. We are. We are getting there. <laughs> let's okay, let's do a, a detour in a sense. And sure. Let's talk about residencies because I have so many um just wonderful souls and, and friends of mine who are artists and they always struggle with you know, how best to make use of that time? And is this time needed? And how do we make this time for ourselves mm. if we don't, you know, have that opportunity? Just so many questions that you have in terms of, you know, this idea of having a space to create. So what, I know you've had an opportunity, obviously, to do um, a lot of very well-known residencies. What have you gotten from those experiences? Well, I, I, I think I have um, gathered um, a number of things in my own experience, and I'm only speaking from my own experience. Um, and I will actually not name name names or anything like that. But what I can say in general about residencies is that, um, you know, what intentions, what expectations, what hopes you have for your work. Um, is so critical when you go to a residency. Um, I mean, it for me, my own experience is um, they're usually highly productive times for me. 
Um, and yet there have been some times where, you know, I've gone somewhere and like the first maybe three or four days, I'm mostly sleeping because I'm kind of expelling daily life like out of my system so that I can make space to even hear my own voice mm. on the page or visually. Um, but then there, there are times too where like, you know, you're at the residency and you're on someone else's timeline or schedule. Some residencies are different, but if you're at a residency where you have to eat on, at a certain time and you're not used to that, mm -hmm. you know, you have to get used to that. Um, you know, we're human beings. So like our bodies and how we tend um, to make ourselves comfortable, you know, what does the pillow feel like? What does the bed feel like? Like all of these mm -hmm. kinds of things actually really matter because you are removed from what you're used to. Um, and there are ways to kind of bring home with you, but at the same time, it's, it's, um, you're not home, you know? Yeah. Um, I think residencies are wonderful. Um, and I think, you know, I've come, I've met some really wonderful friends through residencies. And then there are other times where people only see me when it's time to eat because I'm really not, I don't want to talk. I don't want to be available in a way. I need to just be available for the work. And there are a lot of different types of residencies that can allow you more or less a vision. Some places are like show up. Some places make lunch for you and leave it outside your door um, mm. or you pick it up in the in the common room. That sounds amazing. I know, right? <laughs> it, it sounds amazing, but it depends. It depends who's making that lunch. No, it's, it's nice. <laughs> but um, some residencies want everyone to eat at least one meal, which is usually dinner together. Mm -hmm. um, some residencies, you know have certain hours um, that may or may not fit with your own timeline. Um, some people work all night. Some people work only during the day and they go to bed early. It, re it really depends. Um, I think one of the things to keep in mind with residencies is that, you know, it's like this question of time and how are, how are you going to occupy that time? And I mm -hmm. think sometimes there can be pressure where, oh, I have this residency and I have to make something, I have to get through something. And that doesn't always happen. Um, and you feel very guilty, but you wonder, well, what did I need to read? Somet sometimes I've gone on residencies and I've mostly just been reading most of the time because I don't mm -hmm. have that time in my day-to-day -day life to just sit around and read. Other mm -hmm. times it's making notes. It's trying to have a re-entry plan for when you get back, which I think is really important. Um, I think it, you know, when you're on residency, you're kind of suspended from reality and you live in this this beautiful bubble where you're just, it's so selfish. It's so great. It's just all, it's like, it's all about you. It is yes. really all about you. Right. Um, and yet if you become too dependent on residencies and you just have all these reasons why you can't write when you're just at home, you run the risk of setting up this psychology in your mind where you can only work when you're away from your life. And so mm. the challenge is on a daily basis or weekly basis, whatever terms you set for yourself of your writing life, your inner life, like how do you give that to yourself? Inter how do you integrate that with your life? Um, but I, I mean, I love residencies. For me, they're usually um, quite productive. I usually will work on multiple projects at one time um, or generate seeds, even if I'm working on one thing, seeds for what I want to grow when I get back and work on. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just also the generosity that someone else understands what a writer needs, which is time and solitude and unplugging um, and people setting up spaces for us to do that is so beautiful to me. Um, I've, I think the longest residency I've gone on has been seven weeks. And I mean, mm. you know, there were some moments where I was lonely or, you know, it was just so, so isolated that I was overwhelmed. Mm. Um, I think also it depends who else is there with you. Someone getting on your nerves, suddenly, no one has ever gotten on your nerves more than this one person is like, oh, this is, you know, and you have to like check that. Like, what are you here? Like not to get distracted by something that happens or, or what have you. Um, 
So I, you know, I mean, I love residencies. I'm a fan of them. Um, it's wonderful when you apply and, and you get it, you just feel so happy and joyful that you're going to get the space um, and energy to work. It's, it's really beautiful to have that. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of them. <laughs> I think it would be great to have um, time set aside. Like I've even noticed in my own life, like coming um, out of school and you have all of the things that ebbs and flow of your life. And I found personally mm. that it's been hard for me to read the way I used to. Like I used oh, to just yeah. like sit in a chair for hours and finish a book. But now I've had to be a lot more intentional about, mm. no, I'm getting up you know, and reading this amount in the morning, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing at this time in the evening and read. And you really have to right. start putting that, that effort into play when you're in the middle of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I just have like, I'll get like a Google alert, like time to read, like reading block, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I have to at this point kind of schedule it in and I'll usually have multiple things I'm looking at, you know, um, reading. And so, um, it's a space of meditation in a sense for me as well. So it, it, the reading may have nothing to do with anything I'm working on. And sometimes it's directly connected to what I'm working on, or I think it has nothing to do with what I'm working on. And then I'm like, Oh snap, they got me. Like, here it is. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what the unconscious has done. <laughs> um, and also I, I love particularly with poets. I mean, I have stacks of of books by um, new books by poets that I love and poets I don't know, but have been introduced through, to them on the page. And so um, I also find it beautiful to, you know, um, spend time reading what people are working on now. Um, and then I, I also have my like old school playlist of books that I just constantly go back to, whether they're about craft um, mm -hmm. of spirit um or, you know, just novels or biographies or art books. Um, I look at those a lot too. So um, if I'm looking around my desk right now where I'm sitting, I mean, it's just, I'd be like, people would talk about me because my whole situation is just, you know, there's just a lot going I on. That. I can just look like, you know, Where's the IKEA shelf that could handle this right now? Exactly. Situation is real. It's real right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that my inner life is so bright, and so when I look at this, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, inner inner life is good. Inner life is good. What will you make next? You know. Yeah. When you mm. um, I know you mentioned like that you revisit a lot of books. Do you find mm. yourself um in a way? you know, discovering new things or is it more kind of reigniting, you know, the flame that that, that, that book, you know, kind of sets in you? I think, again, I think it's a little bit of both for me. Um, there are certain books that just always light my fires and, um, and what's beautiful is that I'm never the same, it's never the same fire when I go back because I'm different, mm. you know, um, I could read a book today and read the same book tomorrow and see different things or put more emphasis on a character or scene or piece of dialogue that I didn't the day before. Um, and then that can happen over a span of years, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, I'm glad I don't feel this way about my exes. Like I'll just go back, you know, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, books are just so they're just there and, um, I find them comforting and challenging. I mean, they can soothe me to just kind of go and look at books, but they also can challenge me like, you know, um, what are you doing? What are you, what's important to you? And I also just, when I'm trying to figure out a particular craft thing, uh, reading is probably the clearest way for me to understand um, what to do next in my own work is to read. Uh, and I would say reading probably even more than, than going to my graduate program, um, reading long before going to like school, um, mm -hmm. just helped me learn my own voice and, and things that, um, I want to write about people I want to write about and see, um, in the same way that I'm self-taught as a, as a photographer. 
because you don't have people saying, oh, you know, you can't do this or that's the wrong way. It's right. like, you know, I'm not waiting for someone to tell me. I'm like, James Brown, like, open up the door. I'll get it myself. I'm just going to do this and make it and see what happens. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. So, yeah. And I, I love this idea of not needing permission in that process and kind of creating your own thing like the um you have some very lovely um videos that you have made for a lot of your poetry collections um mm -hmm. and i think that was probably one of the things that struck me because one first drawn like yes to your words but then seeing how you were bridging together all of these different mediums um i know i mainly studied poetry and like film when I was in school. So it was great to see mm. someone merging those two things together and saying, yes, here I have written something. Yes, here it is consumed in the idea of, yes, that you sit there and you quietly read, but also, hey, we can take this to the next level and actually articulate, you know, in moving form, the images and the ideas and the emotions of this book. So in that sense of, you know, not needing any direction, where did you kind of get the first idea? Was it kind of a playing around type of idea? Let me try this. How did you get to that point? I think um, probably a few things. Um, I think having a background as a photographer, um, I was interested at a certain point of like images, images being able to move that. I wanted to go past the still image. Mm -hmm. um, I know for the POP pro project, um, Pop, um, I have been photographing poets for years, um, doing portraits of poets. And one of the frustrations of, of that, because I'm also a poet, is, um, you know, how can this portrait speak to the interior um, self that I've met on the page. So how can this portrait in some way show the mood or some likeness in a kind of thematic way? Um, because the portrait that I find on the page as a poem of the poet, you know, that doesn't, that usually doesn't translate to kind of the person sitting in front of you and us both being like, oh, goodness, this portrait, you know, our, we're so conscious of our bodies and mm -hmm. and kind of the different um, tensions of being photographed um, by someone else, much less even like a selfie, you know, like, how do we navigate that? Um, so at a certain point, I thought, how can I allow these portraits to do more than what they've always done? and I th in a very selfish way, I'm like, what would happen if I were able to use the same techniques of photography, like portraiture, to making these intimate videos where the poet gets to speak? We get to collaborate as photographer, poet, photographer, and poet, um, rather than me sort of like taking the picture. Like, that's not an exchange, you know? Mm -hmm. So the video allowed an exchange where the subject, quote unquote, got to speak, was able to speak and have a voice in the visual image. Um, and so that was that was an exciting project. Um, and I also learned a lot about kind of making videos um, technically and also just working with the form. I think also, and so that kind of um, got me thinking about um, associative visuals for my own poetry. I think the first lyric video I made for a book of mine was for Mule and Pear. And um, mm. I just, I've, I loved working on that. It helped me see the book, the language in the book, the energy of the book, the mood of the book in um, a way that was really beautiful for me um, as creating it. And it allowed it to have this kind of other life or other dimension in a way um, that could be shared um, with others differently than like posting a poem or something like that. So um, it also just 
allowed me to ask very fabulous, beautiful black women friends of mine, will they, you know, help me? And so then I brought in all these sisters, my sisters, and the book is about black womanhood, mule and pear, um, and black women's narratives. So it all was just organic and it was all working together, you know, and then as I wrote the book, I mostly listened to Nina Simone. So it just, it all just poured kind of into mm-hmm. where it went intuitively. And so it just, that whole process um, gave me so much. And it also made me feel like I was creating beyond the actual just final product of the book. Um, I don't know whenever, I, whenever I publish an, another book of poetry, um, you know, I don't know if I will do a lyric video, um, but they're so they're so beautiful to look at. And also, when I was growing up, and I will date myself now, I mean, your whole life was about the music video. Like, yes. <laughs> you watch um, <laughs> BET late night videos, MTV. Yes. You know, the Michael Jackson videos are like a moment on TV. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they were scheduled. Like, you were sitting in your living room, and your mama let you stay up late to watch the Michael Jackson video. <laughs> you know, like, yes. So, you know, Janet Jackson videos? Are you kidding? Like. I would have pleasure principal whole choreography to like, wait, pause it there. Wait. And you know, like, Oh wait, get the chair. We're going to put the, Oh, I don't have any knee pads. Like you got to be <laughs> so, um, you could just see, you know, there's just so many ways. So the music video and like, there's, I mean, I would love to do music, music videos someday, but even now, like you mm-hmm. see digital videos. I mean, when you look at, you know, coloring book or yes. lemonade or whole or salon. Like they're just the, the, the video has been taken to the next level with music now, you know, it really and has. so it really, really has where you have these small films and things. And I think it's wonderful. Um, and I'm interested in, in exploring that a lot more actually. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I, I feel like I've gotten so far away from what you originally asked me, but that's that's kind of what's happened with video for me. You mentioned music videos, and it's so true. Like having a lot of the short films, I do believe. I feel like Michael Jackson was a very big, you know, turning point for that. Uh, someone who really mm-hmm. inspires mm-hmm. me today, I think, would be um, Karina Evans, who's done a lot of the music videos lately for Drake. Oh, she just yeah. has a wonderful style. And she's so young mm-hmm. doing it too. Like mm. it's incredible. It's mm-hmm. just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible too, because I mean, when I was growing up again, like I think as I was graduating from high school, it was like AOL where you could hear the di- yes. dial tone. Like the technology wasn't there. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> so it's like the technology now where people can make whole feature films from an yes. iPhone that didn't exist, you know, like boomerang on even Instagram, like you, there's, there's access to the technology in a way um, that allows people one, like you just do it yourself and make it um, and then see what happens. But even just making videos, one minute videos, two minute videos, or you can even just watch videos kind of like wherever. And now short films are such a form, like there's, whole festivals and um, prizes and things for, you know, two, three, four minute um, films. I mean, now too, even fashion, fashion videos, um, perfume videos. I mean, the advertising is insane using videos. And um, there's a a Kelsey Lou video I really love. It's black and white. I'm forgetting the song, but like, there are just so many videos that I, I kind of have a whole kind of video video file of videos that I go to for kind of just, it's similar to my like reading thing of like books that mm-hmm. I return to. There's videos I go back to over and over. Um, okay, Sade videos. Yes. Okay. Like Sade riding on the horse in black yes. and white with the white shirt, billet, like queen. And wait till that album comes out. Soldier of Love. I was like. Mm, Sade can't get it wrong I am excited okay I'm so excited you know like Maxwell is like when these girls 
levitated from the bed. I was like, oh, Lord, child. I mean, and it was just beautiful. Like the texture of the, like, and the different women or different looks, like all of this. Like it was just, it's just gorgeousness. Um, You know, I'm, I I don't know how many times now I've watched um, the This Is America video with Donald mm-hmm. Glover, like just studying, and they become like text, they do. right? Like people really are looking at them and dissecting them and thinking about them um, in ways that is completely different from when I grew up. So I think we're even just beginning to see um, the dimensions of what video can do. I mean, Kanye West had a whole... I'm going to speak his name for a minute, but he had a whole, you know, went my beautiful twisted fantasy. Like, I mean, that was that whole video. I mean, it's a film, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that was, that was glorious. I don't, I'm I'm not going to say anything else. (laughs) We'll talk about that. It is. And it's, I think it's great because it, it's a work of art in itself, but it also completes the art and it just, I feel video heightens mm, your mm-hmm. senses about the entire work in a way that you don't always get with just an image mm-hmm. or just text, not to make light of the two, but it just really, it right. adds something to, like you said, all the detail that you look at and everything that you notice about that form. Right. Right. And I think sometimes people feel as though they have to choose or privilege one above the other, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of maybe saying, well, let's just look at the relationship of what, you know, um, one person is doing with this material, this content in this different Mm -hmm. form. Right. So, you know, I mean, when people compare books and movies, you know, the director of the movie, that's like the separate person from the writer. So to say, oh, the movie was better than the book or the book, it's like they're two different people. It's not like the same person made the the, the, the full length feature exactly. film and wrote the book. And like acknowledging, like, what was this director trying to do? And how was that director reading mm-hmm. the book? You know, this is their interpretation of the book. Um and so, I mean, I think that's that's fascinating that oftentimes I'm often asked, oh, are you are you more of a photographer or a visual artist? Are you more, mm. you know, a, a writer? And then you just and I'm like, you know, that'd be like me being like, oh, well, if I need my kidneys or my stomach, it's like I need both of these. Like these are internal organs. They work in a system together. Sometimes I know what's happening and sometimes I don't, yes. you know, when I'm first working on things. But I don't. I think also once you just immediately out the gate trying to say which is better, you just narrow your whole experience of it. Um, and there's certain movies I'm like, you know, I preferred the book. I don't like the director's vision. It didn't work yeah. for me. And then, you know, it can go the other way too, where I'm like, wow, this movie has brought this book to life or made or focused on this particular aspect of this book. I hadn't even really thought about when I read the book, yeah. you know. And so, um, you know, I mean, I think it's all fascinating to to consider and think about. Absolutely. What things do you have on the horizon that you are excited about, if you can tell us? Mm. So I, um, I am in the process of working on my first novel mm. right now, um, which is a completely different creature than working on um, a book of poems or photographs. Um, I find it very challenging in the best and most frustrating way. But um, I've always written prose for whatever reason. Um, career-wise, poetry happened first in a way. Um, but I think prose for me anyway, um, it it's kind of in if it needs a longer fermentation time. So when I was in graduate school, I studied fiction, actually. Mm-hmm. And now 10 something years later, I'm finally feeling like I know something about the world to write a first novel. Um, and um, this disrupted my idea of like, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to write my novel, I'm going to write my next novel. And the life, the work, everything was like, no, what you going to do is listen and wait, 
about 10, 12 exactly. years. And then you're going to write something. Then you're going to try. You're going to try mm-hmm. to write something and see if it works, um, see if it matters to you. So that's what I'm in the process of doing. And, um, you know, working on a novel, it's kind of like hiding under a rock. Um, and yet you're trying to like bring the whole world in and make a world and make characters and, um, and not go crazy. So Candace, between not going crazy, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's, it's like, um, it's been, it's been a process. It's a, it's a process. Um, and it's really exciting. Like, you know, I'm in a process where I'm not kind of under the gun with, you know, an editor or publisher or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I'm still so close to the language and the story and the, and the characters, um, and listening to them that it's, um, this kind of hard magic though, hard work, but the magical that this is happening and looking up and seeing like, Oh, there's hundreds of pages, not hundreds, but definitely more than a poetry manuscript. Um, and certainly very different from, photography or videos so that's that's what I'm working on now is a novel and they just they take time um that's that's the plan so we'll see what happens with it I, like I'm on here like oh this novel <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you in about 10 years you'll be like what happened Rachel Eliza I mean like exactly. what happened was that novel was <laughs> we'll see. But well, while we're all over here on the pre-order list, like, wait a second, nothing's dropping. Yet. <laughs> oh, you are so sweet. Yeah, I want to see that pre-order day. Ooh, I can't wait. Mm. Lord, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Work in progress. Work in progress. We'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. And I I love that you're always so enthusiastic about the process cuz like you said the process is hard, but oh, the process I love is that hard. you're always committed to it. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm committed to it and like there are days when I have the whole ugly cry. Like when Viola Davis was in Fences and just the snot and the whole like that's me. Ooh. And then at the same time, you know, I could be, you know, Suge in the color purple, swinging a tambourine around. Like I, mm-hmm. I can go through so much, but all of it, I just, all of it is beautiful and necessary and it's how life is, you know? And, yeah, the, you know, there's moments I grieve things, I celebrate, I curse and rant, um, mm-hmm. I support and uphold and uplift, like, it's it's just enduring um and i think again just obviously i love baldwin as many people i'm sure listening to yes. is you know you can have all the talent and be as gifted as you want but endurance and discipline at the end of the day like mm-hmm. you know that's that's what gets the work done and first and foremost for me it's getting the work done it's the work however long it takes um, and there have been times where, you know, I'm looking at something and I think I can't do this now. I'm not ready or I have to walk away from this. And that's hard too. Um, mm-hmm. and so not everything, half the things that I think I'm going to do, you know, they sit in a journal written up as, you know, to do or ideas or brainstorm aloud. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my mother died four years ago and you know, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to write poems for her and this and that. And I just couldn't. I could barely read. I couldn't write. I couldn't focus on anything. And that voice inside said this. You're, it's just not you can't even begin to comprehend what is happening to you, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and just let it be. Let go of it. Just stop. And I listened and just stopped. And then very, mm-hmm. very slowly here's one line, here's a word, here's something, you know, and that's, it's been like stone by stone, joy by joy. And, um, finally starting to write some, some new poems, but that was the first time in my life where I really couldn't write a poem. And matter of fact, I was like, you know, I can't stand poetry. Why do people do this? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, finally just letting go and being open and being vulnerable I was like okay 
you know, I'll never write the way I used to write because I'm not the same person now. Um, mm -hmm. Not having my mother in the world, how could I be? You know, she's still That's here. True. She's in the world and me, but Absolutely. of course the poems are going to be so different, you know, and they are now. And there's a joy in that, but um, the, the, the whole experience in ARC, I, I'm still in kind of an unable to comprehend incomprehension of it. Um, and at the same time, feeling grateful for all the ways that she prepared me to be the woman I'm becoming, you know. So, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you. It's so good to talk to you. I know. I have enjoyed this so much. And good, oh good. my gosh, this is this has gone by way too fast. Like we could have a whole season just sitting here <laughs> <laughs> talking about this. this Maybe is on truly the phone. awesome. Oh my we gosh. Would. Like I'm deep so conditioning. Hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me let me yeah. go put some chicken on the stove. <laughs> okay, all that, all that. Yes. So I will wrap up with our little May Rocky picks. Mm, okay. So these are yeah, they're general. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever is on your mm -hmm. heart when you hear the question, that's what. Mm -hmm. What we'll do. So, what is a restaurant that everyone should go to? I don't I don't have one restaurant. I'm really bad. I mean, I think you should just go to a good restaurant. I prefer local restaurants so yes. that you support your neighborhood. Um, I think that's really important. Um, but I I just moved out of Brooklyn into New York. So my world is kind of the restaurants I ate at in Brooklyn um are are not are no longer like a part of my immediate life. And so yes. I'm in a new neighborhood and I'm kind of like, what y'all got to eat, you know? Exactly. That's the <laughs> most fun part when you get to explore. Yeah. And like so I've been exploring. I get recommend recommendations from friends who are like, you got to eat this. You got to try this. So, mm -hmm. you know, Indian food, sushi, yes. soul food. I mean, in New York, it's kind of like, what do I feel like eating? And then like either ordering it or going out or I'm a really good cook. I'm actually going to brag and actually say that in an interview. Like, I can cook. Oh. So oh. I'm like, you know, I got it from my mama. But that's I right. Kind of, <laughs> I can kind of throw it down. So I'm really picky about where I eat. But the thing is, I just love to eat. Like, yes. if you put it in front of me, I'm going to eat it. If it's good, I, you know. Yes. I am, and if it's I'm bad, so I'm you. looking at you like, who made, the pota who made this potato salad? Who this? <laughs> <laughs> time to roll up the sleeves oh no that is one thing you <laughs> cannot mess up and you shall not mess it up not on my watch no. not today I'm like, no. get your life together with your potato salad bye <laughs> so no I mean restaurant I mean I also think it's beautiful when people just get together mm -hmm. and cook you yes. know um you know just have a like just it's like it's the company of the people you're in that it makes is. the meal, wherever that might be, whether you're sitting out with friends in the park or you're at somebody's house or you're at mm -hmm. the family reunion That's or right. you're at a nice restaurant and it's your birthday, you know? So, yeah. I mean, all of that to me is kind of like the idea of eating. Eating to That's me true. is super important of what you put in your body, you know? That is right. And eating is so much tied to memory. Like the, hearing you talk right now, like that yeah. is an important part yeah my mother had a fierce bread pudding recipe like mm. i can't even tell people about it like i just make it but when i make it in that smell it's the same smell i just expect her to suddenly like come out and be like oh yeah you let that cook too long because she'd be real critical <laughs> what you doing with the butter <laughs> But, um, you know, there's there's just something so beautiful in sharing a meal. And a lot of times our memories are like, oh, remember when we went to that place and you ate that thing and it made you feel that way? And you, who were you with? And let's go there again. Like, I, I think that's like a simple thing that just we have all our lives of kind of like memories associated by by food or meals, um, you know, whatever that might be. Absolutely. This is a good question. I'm going to be listening to all yes. of these to hear because I'm going to get my restaurant list together. Right. Know? I know. And they've been so different. 
Yeah, yeah they've been so different and so very like yeah it's been great for me too just just hearing them yeah um, let me see okay so are there any songs or if even not a song like an artist that um mm. you've been rocking lately in your in your earphones mm. so i'm gonna again probably date myself although i find this person is timeless um i'm listening to a lot of stevie wonder right now um, I love Stevie. particularly the song "As." Um, oh my goodness! Just you not like, to say that that is playing at my wedding. I have decided it. Ah, it's so <laughs> beautiful, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. And then also the song "Overjoyed" by him too. That I really—it just makes me smile. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. I'm, it, you know, first thing in the morning lately, I've I've played it while I'm kind of like brushing my teeth and get my myself together. And I'm just like, wow, you know, just his voice and kind of, it, I found that anywhere I've gone, whether it's in Paris or Savannah or Mississippi or LA, like that Stevie comes on and people just like, something happens. And so mm -hmm. um, as I'm starting to work on, um, as I'm starting to work on these poems about my mother, I mean, she just jump up and start clapping her hands and do her little two-step because she had these little bony legs she'd do her two-step when that stevie <laughs> comes on and so um that that reminder to dance and smile and that there's no separation you know until the day that i am um me you are me and i am you it's like it's like a line mm -hmm. from neruda's poetry you know um yeah and so it's just this this love song but it's like a love song anywhere like Anywhere you are, you hear it. And I love most of the versions of it, like that George Michael, Mary J, um, Mary J mm -hmm. version. I love that one too. Like that, there's just something. And the fact that the song is so long, like you can just go, do, you can just have a whole moment playing that song. Yes. Um, I'm just Stevie in just every way. I'm like, I just really. Yes. And then I'm always just listening to all kinds of things. I mean, things that I also mm -hmm. listen to a lot are like Billie Holiday, Nina Simone. I did, I have listened maybe two weekends ago from, I was like, listen to the whole Cardi B, just listen to it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> listen to Cardi. I'm gonna see what this will act. Let me, t let me see that. Like, I will just listen. But since mm -hmm. I also am just coming from um, Savannah, I've been listening to a lot of um, Gullah Geechee rhythms um mm -hmm. and kind of ring shout um and that's been really beautiful to just just no music but just clapping and and voices that sound so old it just really i i, I just feel i feel grateful that I, that i kind of that's my lineage those voices absolutely okay the last one I know for me, it's the hardest. So mm -hmm. as much as you read, it probably will, you'll probably think of a lot of different things. But is there any quote or even piece of advice, maybe something you've heard from a family member that you kind of live by that kind of drives you in those in those hard moments? Um, goodness, no, you're right. I, earlier, I mentioned June Jordan. Um, mm her quote, sometimes I am the terrorist, I must disarm, which I find yes. beautiful. There's a lot of, I return frequently to Audre Lorde. Um, I even, uh, Rilke's Young Letters to a Poet is something I read frequently. But also, mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was um, a young girl, um, one of the times when my mother was ill, we went to the hospital and they were kind of like, this is it. And I was like maybe like 12 or 13 years old and I came in the room and there's like all these machines around her and everything. And she looked so little. She looked like a child in the bed. And, um, you know, I was really scared. And, um, you know, I held her hand and she just said, you're stronger than you think. And I mean, I think um, for me, when I'm in vulnerable situations, and even when I'm feeling, you know, happy, which is most of the time I I feel happy. I feel like there's a lot of work we all need to do, um, whether it's, you know, intimately with ourselves and our own direct relationships to others. But then this whole country right now, I just had to resist using a four letter word, but this, yes. <laughs> this whole, you know, I'm not going to curse on the podcast, but um, 
that this this strength um and for me the word stronger holds so much um and when i get overwhelmed i just hear her saying it and i think i see her with all of these things attached to her body and yet her spirit and what she gave and how generous and smart she was um and how she loved she loved really fiercely and so um there's so many writers whose words um i could quote to you but i think um with the work that you're doing and the conversations you're having mothers you know mm-hmm. i mean they're mentors they're friends they're complicated yes. they can be difficult <laughs> and yes. and yet you know you get one right for better or for mm-hmm. worse so her That's saying true. you're stronger than you think also made me feel oh she knows me you know she knows me mm-hmm. And yes. um, she's been she's been pretty accurate these last few years, um, and so I I return to that whether I'm terrified to make a photograph or to write the next sentence or to have the conversation or to you know say like I'm gonna be okay takes strength, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean the kind of strength that erases us and makes people not see black women because everyone assumes we're so powerful and strong which we are but at the same time it's like we're made of blood and bones you know we can take Mm -hmm. so much and give so much so that's i think that's the thing that i would say to whoever is listening you're stronger than than you think and then also um when i was um in Savannah, I went to church on Sunday, and at one point there was a moment where um, we were told, "Look at your neighbor and tell them, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it." <laughs> and I just thought that was so beautiful. Turn to your neighbor yes. and say, "I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it." And so <laughs> I am going to be just loving up on people all around New York and wherever I go, and they're just going to be like, "Who is?" crazy black woman i love you and there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it and i just oh i love the power of that and i love like the freedom that's freedom that's like okay you know and action like everything so i think yes. this is going to be the thing i'm going to do to like scare high school students because they scare me because they're just big and smart and i'm like oh my god i'm old so i'll be like <laughs> just welcome them talk to them that way and make them laugh and then i'll be like okay like let's talk about poems now let's talk about the nitty-gritty right. now we're gonna go there yeah. we got to i don't have a choice we are <laughs> oh rachel liza this has been a joy thank you so much candace i really appreciate it it's such an honor and good luck with this beautiful project you're doing Thank you so much. I am uh, I'm full of gratitude to you and all of the women who have been gracious enough to share the most important thing we all have, which is our time. Um, just yeah. spread a little joy and, as you said, a little <clears throat> love across the airwaves. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I can't wait to listen to everyone. I just cannot wait. Congrats. This is great. Yes. Thank you so <laughs> much. Welcome. You've been listening to Meraki Mentors Podcast with Candace Howes. We're honored you chose to spend your time with us today. To learn more about today's guest or the podcast, visit MerakiMentorsPodcast.com.